you know, every day you pick up the newspaper or, you know, watch something online, you see conversations around the fact that, you know, we live in a, just a totally distracted world where, uh, you know, people are walking with their, you know, like zombies glued to their iPhones or they're, you know, sitting in restaurants, you know, with their spouse or their partner or their friends glued to their iPhones. And, and so we decided to do something about it. And the book was really our effort to, to begin to get the message out there. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. He is the president and CEO of the largest moving company in Canada, AMJ Campbell. He is also the co-author with another guest on the show, Dr. Greg Wells, of the book, The Focus Effect. I am speaking, of course, of none other than the one the only, the legendary Bruce Bowser. Welcome to the show, Bruce. Thanks, Nikki. Good to be here again. Oh, man. it's The pleasure is all mine, my friend. Listen, it's been a while since you've been on the show, and we've got a bunch of new listeners. And even though I know you really well, they'd love to hear your story. So share us your backstory. How'd you get to be the great Bruce Bowser? <laughs> I, I, I like to think I was... I was born the great Bruce Bowser, as you um, so aptly coined it. But, you know, I, I think, um, Nikki, a lot of my story has to do with, you know, as a young man, realizing the importance of, of a positive attitude and a can-do attitude. And, you know, I can be that attitude. So, you know, from the time I was 17, 18 years of age, I can remember reading, you know, great authors and, you know, learning just great lessons about how important your attitude is to to how you live your life and, and you know how important intention is to how you live your life and and I really think that's you know that's had a lot to do with how I've progressed in my business career my personal life from a business career perspective you know I used to laugh because I I was so driven that you know at a young age I started my career as a as a banker and and I remember you know, people saying, Bruce, you're not in line for this next promotion. I'm thinking, I never saw a line. And, you know, so I would, just in my mind, there were no lines, there were no glass ceilings. And, and I always found myself getting into situations, whether it was work or my personal life, where I would just leap so far ahead of myself that, you know, I'd often find myself saying, holy cow, what did you just do? But then, you know, with time and experience, I found myself, you know, getting myself into situations that were over my head, but that I grew into. And I think that, you know, that has a lot to do with the mindset of an entrepreneur, the mindset of a, you know, a successful um, business person, the mindset of a successful athlete. It's, it's pushing yourself into spaces and places where you've never been before and trusting your intuition that you can do this. And so, you know, I, I had a great career with the Bank of Nova Scotia as a young man. I got recruited 26 years ago to join this company, AMJ Campbell, of which you know I'm proud and honored to have been the president and the CEO for the last 26 years. It's been an incredible ride. I've loved it. Um, it's a, it's opened up you know so many opportunities for me to meet people, to travel the world, to you know do some amazing things. And uh, you know even in terms of 
you know, writing this book that Greg and I wrote, uh, you know, a year and a bit ago, you know, Greg and I met through a conference that I was at, uh, you know, probably as a result of AMJ providing that opportunity. So um, that's a short version of, of, of who I am. So Bruce, just so people get a sense of the scale uh, uh, of your achievements, how, how, how big is AMJ? AMJ is 60, 60 some locations across North America. So we began to expand into the U.S. We're, we're, we've had a, a large operation in Florida. We're right across Canada in every major and secondary center across Canada. And we're now starting to grow through partnerships in the U.S. to, to six other locations. Uh, we're, we're you know, probably just around 3,000 employees across the country. Wow. Uh, that, that, that's amazing. That, that, that's a substantial company. And you decided uh, with all this success to put a book together and to get a book out there. What inspired you to get a book out there? Well, it wasn't from having all sorts of extra time. I, I think it was uh, <laughs> Greg Wells, who I co-authored the book with. Uh, Greg and I have known each other for many years. And our stories are similar in some ways in the sense that, you know, we're both very intentional people that, you know, we both realize that success and making yourself a better person doesn't happen by mistake. So we each had made separate commitments, you know, unbeknownst to each other to attend conferences on a regular basis in areas where it didn't have to do with, you know, with what we were doing for work necessarily. So Greg and I got to become, you know, very good friends at a conference that was put on by a good mutual friend of ours, uh, Robin Sharma sure. in Zurich in Zurich a number of years ago. And we're sitting in this conference at the back of the room and there was some conversation around, uh, you know, how the world was becoming addicted to digital distractions. So, you know, cell phones, iPhones, social media, and, you know, both being big thinkers, we started this conversation around, you know, we should do something about this. We should, you know, develop a program on, on how to help people tame that addiction to distraction. And that led into, you know, us um, having a few meetings, deciding that maybe we'd write a book. And uh, the result was that we, we published last year the book called The Focus Effect, which, you know, to our surprise, pleasant surprise, became a, a bestseller very quickly and just has been, you know, a lot of fun. The project's been a lot of fun. It's impacted a lot of people. You know, every day you pick up the newspaper or, you know, watch something online, you see conversations around the fact that you know, we live in a just a totally distracted world where uh, you know people are walking with their you know like zombies glued to their iPhones or they're you know sitting in restaurants you know with their spouse or their partner or their friends glued to their iPhones and and so we decided to do something about it and the book was really our effort to to begin to get the message out there. I love that because I resemble that remark. I have been addicted to my digital technology for far too long. One of the things that I've, I've done for the past several years, and I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but it's, it's the truth, is that every night I'd, I'd go to bed and I'd have my iPad with me. And I'd watch videos, watch a movie, you name it. And it, it, it used to be that I used to go to bed with a book, and I still read quite a bit. But this habit actually meant that I would not get good sleep. And when I woke up in the morning, I was uh, not rested, was tired, was cranky. So just recently, very recently, I've stopped doing that. So the iPad does not come into my bedroom at all. 
I, in fact, don't even have my phone in my bedroom anymore, even though it's got the alarm clock on it. I set the alarm clock in the bathroom next to my bedroom, and I leave the phone out there. And so when it rings, I actually have to physically get up to go turn it off so I don't wake up the rest of the house. And, and, and I'm glad that I've done that. But I can tell you it's so easy to get distracted by these things. It's so easy. They're so addictive. The folks who design the apps, I think they've designed them in such a way that you get a hit of dopamine for using them. But I mean, for sure, you know, if you if you read through the book and you list, Greg is the scientist and, and I'm the business person in the book. And we, we have a lot of fun going back and forth with you know, how it applies to business, what the science is behind it. But, you know, 100% for sure, uh, you know, every time you look for a message or you, you know, you read a message or a like or a post, you do get a little hip, hit of dopamine. And, you know, hence is the, is the addiction. And look at it. You know, don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, it's, I mean, it is a worldwide global epidemic that people are addicted to to their cell phones. I mean, in many ways, you know, I'm still addicted. I wrote a book about it. I pra- I try my best to practice what I preach. As a matter of fact, when you were speaking, I was thinking, you know, I give away gifts. I, I you know, I love giving away books, the five minute journal, different gifts, and I, and I think I'm gonna buy analog alarm clocks, no lights. Just you know, you wind them up and you put them inside <laughs> your bed and give them out to people as a means of getting away because, because the response I get when I say to people, you know, do you sleep with your iPhone? It's well, yeah, I need the alarm. And it's like, you know, like for hundreds of years, we woke up to um, analog alarm clocks. Maybe it's time to, to start a, a new motion. But look, we, we are, we are addicted. It's, you know, there's no question. And, and it's, it, it hasn't been a long time getting there. You know, it's, it's been a slow boil. And I think it's been something that most people, you know, they can't look back and say, when did I become so addicted to my phone that when I leave a building and I get kids that left the phone on the table or at the counter, they have a minor anxiety attack and they, they get a rush back and get it. The iPhone just celebrated its 10th anniversary a year or so ago. And, you know, so it's really not to put everything on the iPhone, but the iPhone is the most popular, but it's really the last 10 years that we've been lulled into this sense where it's it's okay to go out and have dinner with your spouse or your partner or your best friend and be on your phone i i liken it to i say hey nikki if i if i took you out for dinner if i were shed if i took you know my spouse out for dinner and i pulled out a magazine and i started reading a magazine during dinner guess what would happen but <laughs> you know this if you look around a restaurant when you're there people pull out their phones you know spouses are sitting there with their with their phones out texting and what's the difference between texting and reading a magazine there is no difference and the bottom line is you know what's the message you're sending to the person you're with whether you're in a meeting whether you're at a dinner whether you're sitting having a coffee with somebody and you keep looking down and checking your messages what you're saying and this is the hard truth that we need to get into our minds if we're going to change this what you're saying to people is hey look at whatever's on my phone right now is more important than you i don't believe we mean that but that's what you're saying no, I, I, you're 100% correct. So the only thing I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you on is uh, I, I do need to be hard on myself. We live in a world today where we're not hard on ourselves nearly enough as far as I'm concerned. Sure. I, I'm going to go on a, on a mini rant, and that is especially with men today. Over the last 50, 60 years, men have become a bit lost. They have decided that uh, old-fashioned things like keeping your word and you know, uh, doing what you say and being someone who follows through and does the difficult thing doesn't seem to matter anymore. And uh, I was I was married for many years. Uh, I got separated and divorced. 
And as a result, I got very deep into the work of some thinkers around men, how to be a man, what being a man means, how to, uh, how, how to be a better man in a relationship, because God knows I wasn't that great in my relationship. That's a big reason why it failed, but also how to be a better man, period. And, and, and to me, what's missing in our society today is people in general, but men especially, are not hard on themselves. Yeah, I don't want to I, pretend it's you know, anything not, other than what it is. You know what I mean? Because if I do, then I'll excuse it and I'll keep doing it. I don't want to do that. Well, I, I, look, I think, you know, whether it's men, women, I haven't thought about it enough to, you know, to decide whether you know, men suffer more than women in, in this area. But I think that it's become so easy to be somebody other than you authentically are when you're, you know, you're constantly using a device to communicate. I mean, 100%. look at look at dating, social dating sites, and I'm not, you know, I'm not knocking them. I think they're they're fine, but you know, social dating, texting, it's just so much easier to engage, and you know, present yourself as something other than than what you are. So you know, there's a lack of transparency, I think, in in some of the, you know, the digital experience. But I just think you know, we live in a world where we become accustomed to things being on demand. To the point where it gets ridiculous. I mean, even myself, when you talk about being hard on yourself, you know, over the last six months, I've made it a, you know, sort of a personal challenge to do things like practice patience in areas where I would normally be impatient, you know, so whether it's a, you know, traffic jam, whether it's uh, at an airport, you know, I mean, I get a kick you know, cause I fly a lot. I get a kick when the plane pulls up, you know, this remarkable machine that's able to move us relatively new from one part of the world to the other part of the world in, in remarkable fast time with great service. It lands and the pilot comes on and says, folks, um, we're just, we're waiting for our gate to be prepared. It's going to be another five or six minutes. And you can hear the whole plane say, are you kidding me? Like another five or six minutes. It's, I think we've just become so impatient because we're used to everything on demand, you know, whether it's Uber, whether it's, I mean, Uber Eats, um, and you know, I love Uber and I use I use both of those apps, but it's created this this sense that you know everything's right there at our hands, and and we have no no patience. You know, 100%, and I'm one of the, the least patient people alive. So I'm listening to you, going, yeah, Bruce is right. I need to be more patient. I need to relax more. But the truth of the matter is that uh, we live in an age where we're spoiled. I'm spoiled. We're not hard on ourselves. We're like petulant little children. I want what I want. I want it now. <laughs> you know, and uh, the, the phone enables that in many ways. The devices enable that in many ways. So if, uh, if you or if I can make a decision to be less bound to that thing, I mean, it's a wonderful, marvelous tool in so many ways. It's a good decision. Totally. I mean, the the phone in some ways, you know, we can talk about, um, uh, you know, the intricacies of how it's become uh, distracting. But in, in, in a lot of ways, it's actually become our tool for procrastination. So, you know, instead of sitting down and working on that task or that project that we know we need to get done, instead of, you know, sitting down and having a meaningful conversation, which requires a little bit more energy, I think the easy route is to, you know, procrastinate and go to our phone and check our Facebook page and check our social media pages. And I become an observer of people interacting with their phones and I'll be in places where people should be watching the hockey game. You know, at a sporty, I was at the Memorial Cup recently and I was watching four people sitting right in front of me in the middle of this, you know, thousand dollar ticket event uh, that were scrolling through their their social media feeds. I'm thinking, come on, folks, is 
you know, nothing wrong with Instagram, but is Instagram that important that you can't put your phone down to watch a hockey game? No, it's true. I, I, I'm embarrassed to admit I was at the baseball game last night with my son. The Jays won, which was great. Uh, and for chunks of the game, I, I was checking my uh, my social media and I was reading up on some articles on the internet that I found interesting. So I've been guilty of that. Okay, so lesson learned. We got to make sure we put that sucker away more. And I, I go to sporting events all the time. We have season's tickets to TFC and we, we like to go to all kinds of games. So Putting the phone away, sporting events, putting the phone away more and more, keeping it out of the bedroom at night, fantastic stuff. So what are the ways in which the devices are not a distraction, in which they are necessary? What are healthy ways to use the things, Bruce? Well, you know, most of the apps that we use on our devices that are, you know, what we call part of our work life, whether it's email, texting, um, productivity apps, you know, in my case, I, you know, I love some of the meditation apps that are that are available online now on phones. And, you know, I learned how to meditate years ago, you know, sort of the hard way. I had to actually go to classes and, and learn how to meditate where today, you know, literally meditation for dummies where you download. There's so many good apps out there. You download an app, you meditate for three to five minutes. You notice an immediate benefit. So you know, I love technology. I love my iPhone. I, I don't think it's about, um, you know, trying to find what's right or wrong about the the device. I really think it's about understanding that it has highly addictive power to it. And everybody, you know, nobody argues with me on that. And then it's about, okay, what are the small steps I can take to begin to harness it? And I'll give you one that, that I started about six months ago as well. Uh, I, made a, I made a decision six months ago. I need to start practicing more of what I preach on this. So one of the things that I did, I turned off all the notifications on my phone. So when I look at my phone, I turn, I turn my phone on to look at it. There are notifications. There are no notifications. It doesn't tell me how many emails I have. doesn't tell me how many texts I have. And, and here's why I did that. The stats show that the average North American is spending 60 hours a year just looking to see if they have a notification. That's not reading it, just looking to see if they had a notification. You and I both could tell people what they could do with 60 hours a year, whether it be walking, reading, you know, investing in your health, um, investing in your relationship. So, so I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to turn off all my notifications. I'm going to put on my big boy pants. And when I want to check my messages, I'm in control of that. So you know, I check my messages, not near as often as I used to. I don't have that sense when I'm sitting in a meeting and I see my phone with a text message or an email, I don't have that sense of urgency. Oh, I got to check that. I, I check it at my own time schedule. Make sense? Yeah, it makes a hundred percent sense. Yeah, I mean, but I, and you know, I've, I've talked to some other people that are trying to say, look, just try it for a week or so. I mean, two things will happen. One, you'll realize how addicted you are to your device because it, it will drive you crazy for a little while. And then two, hopefully that realization turns into empowerment where you, you find yourself saying, Hey, this is a small step. I'm now in control of when I'm going to check my messages. doesn't mean you don't check maybe five or 10 minutes, but you're the one that's checking them. Uh, another good example for me was one of my pet peeves. I live downtown and walk to my office quite frequently. And whether I'm walking to my office downtown on the sidewalk, in the underground, whether I'm in a shopping center or in an airport, I'm constantly dodging people who are texting and walking. I mean, it's when you stand back and look at it, I mean, 
it's almost embarrassing to see the number of people that are walking around like zombies. It's a leading cause of pedestrian accidents. It's a leading cause of automobile accidents. We're so addicted to our devices that we can't walk without looking at them. So six months ago, more than six months ago, a year ago, I decided that um, I was going to walk without texting or checking messages. And I got to tell you, Nikki, for the first week that I was doing it, my walk to work is like eight to 10 minutes. It was the longest walk in the world. I mean, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, the first couple of days, I'd find myself stopping and I'd get out of everybody's way. So if you do have to message, at least get to the side of the, the path. And I'd stand inside the path and I'd check my messages. Now I can walk to and from my work without having to stop and read a text. That sounds monumental. But next time you're walking about, look at the people that can't walk without checking their messages. That's true. I run into people all the time that do that. And it's actually dangerous. About a year and a half ago, actually now it's almost two years, a, a friend of mine was murdered at a restaurant downtown. It was a horrible thing that happened, and I was, I, I was devastated by it. I got depressed. So I went and I took a course on self-protection by a, a man who Tony Robbins says is the best self-protection guru in the world. His name is Tim Larkin. And one of the things he told us is how dangerous it is to be on your phone and distracted in a big city. And he showed us videos of people on their phones just being randomly attacked by people. There's, it happens, right? So your, your sensual acuity is gone. It's dead. And so I stopped, as soon as I saw those videos of those people getting hit and badly hurt and even killed in some cases, like when I'm out on the street, my phone's put away. Like I'm, I'm like watching people. I want to make sure that, you know, you know, that if there is a situation developing, I've got awareness enough to be able to not be a part of the negativity that that's, that's going to ensue. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And I mean, you started the show by saying that, you know, the makers of some of these apps and some of these, you know, these uh, digital channels, they want us to be totally addicted to what they're doing. That's, you know, that's their livelihood. So we're not seeing much messaging other than, you know, news uh, talking about how bad it is. But we're not seeing messaging. You know, you, you don't have, and I want to knock Instagram, Facebook, any of them. You don't have those groups out there saying, hey, you know, don't walk and text. I mean, you get in a car, you and I have cars that, you know, um, won't allow us to use the digital screen while we're driving. We yep. should have that with our with our phones. You can't use this when you're walking or when you're in motion. We shouldn't be using those things. It's Greg Wells and I do a presentation together, and in the presentation we show a video clip of a compilation of videos showing people walking into telephone poles, people walking into manholes, people walking in front of traffic. I mean, there's there's an article we shared where on a Thursday night in November last year, it was a Toronto Star article that showed 16 pedestrians hit on Thursday night. In, in the city of Toronto. That's because when somebody's driving a car and they're texting and somebody's walking and they're texting, guess what happens when you cross the street? You get hit. Yeah. So I'm an optimist, as you know, and I think the pendulum has swung so far one direction that we have, you know, even though guys like Greg and I, people like Greg and I are talking about this and it's in the newspapers all the time, I, I do believe that, you know, people are, are gaining an awareness for the fact that we need to swing the pendulum back to someplace where there's more balance, where, you know, we're not, our lives are not being controlled by, by a digital device. 
And I think that's starting to happen. I think, you know, people are starting to realize that, you know, the relationships are suffering. They say that, Nikki, the most, most people today can't sit down over the age of 40. Most people don't read a book anymore. And it's because we're so used to 122 characters. I know that's being increased, but 122 characters that, that we, we only think in these short bursts. Or we're so used to sitting down to our computers and having four or five different applications open. I, I used to be the worst. I mean, I tease, I'm a pilot, and I tease to people that, you know, as a pilot, I used to think that I've had all these screens open, it kind of looked like a cockpit. I mean, you know, the reality is that your brain can't be in two places at one time. You can train your brain to go from station to station very quickly, but you can't, you can't sit down and accomplish a meaningful task, whether it's, you know, writing something, whether it's trying to solve an issue and be constantly jumping back and forth from, you know, one task to another. Brain, live brain studies show that, you know, the brain's only capable of dealing with one task at a time. So this no, this notion of multitasking is non-existent. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy. It's craziness. You you can't get either task done uh, effectively, and it doesn't work. It it absolutely doesn't work. So you've hit on a nerve here in the popular culture, and you've come up with a powerful message. You wrote a book with an established thought leader. You yourself are a super successful businessman, and this book has made a big dent in the universe. So what's next as far as this message is concerned? We, you know, we've begun, I mean, both Greg and I get to, to go out and speak about the, you know, the work in the book. We both you know, have gone out and done some work with corporations on how you can take some of these practices and implement them, not just in your personal life, but in your, in your business world. So you know, we're convinced because of studies and research that you know, the average employee today is spending about 30% of their time distracted with some form of social media. Now, I don't want to dump uh, on employees because I think it's an employer issue too. You know, the, the average employer now today has grown into this mindset where they think it's okay to reach out to their employees 24-7. So, you know, I use the example back in the days when I was a young banker. If I, if I was working with you, Nikki, and I had to reach you in the evening or on the weekend, Two things happen. One, I couldn't text you. I couldn't email you because that didn't exist. I'd have to think about what you're doing. So I was calling you at seven or eight o'clock in the evening. I actually have to think, you know, wonder what Nikki's up to. And it didn't happen unless it was something urgent. I didn't trouble you on the weekends or on the evenings. And so, you know, as employers, we've also grown into this sense where we think it's okay. You know, I, I used to be worse. I'd get on an airplane, I'd fly somewhere and I'd pound out like 60, 70, 80 emails thinking I was highly productive. I'd land in Calgary. As soon as my Wi-Fi would connect to the hotel, my entire organization would get flooded with these emails from Bruce, and it just wasn't right. So I think, you know, a couple of years ago, we implemented a policy at you know, my head office where we don't send or receive emails before 6 a.m., after 6 p.m., or on the weekend. And we're seeing more and more of this where, you know, there's all sorts of apps that allow you to send later to, you know, put off sending those emails. I mean, I don't, I don't expect my employees to work evenings and weekends. Why should I be sending them emails on evenings or weekends? That is brilliant and it's very forward thinking and good on you for making that happen. So Bruce, folks want to get a hold of uh, some copies of the book. They can go do that on Amazon or on Indigo or, or Chapters or something like that, right? It's called The Focus Effect. The Focus Effect, the best is to order it online at Amazon or just visit either you know my website, uh, brucebowser.com, 
or um, Greg Greg Wells website and uh, and you can order it online there as well. That's fantastic. I, I I think it's a it's a it's a great message. The concepts are brilliant. I'm looking forward to finally reading the book uh, soon. I'm one of these folks who reads a lot. I'm 58 books into the year. Now, I also read fiction, so half my books are fiction, half are nonfiction, because I believe fiction soothes the soul. I know our mutual friend Robin Sharma doesn't agree with that, but you know he and I are going to have to agree <laughs> to disagree on that. I, I read fiction as well. I find fiction is good to wind down with at the end of the night. Um, yeah, it's great. Not, not digital, so. Hundred percent, and and it is it is very soothing. I, I I was at a event with Jack Canfield, the author of Chicken Soup for the Soul, sure. and I got to ask him several questions while I was there. And one of the questions I asked him is, "What's on your reading list? What are you reading these days?" And what he said was very gratifying for me because I've been saying this to my clients and to my friends forever. He said that he never used to read fiction, but he started reading fiction and it's made him a, a more well-rounded person. And every second book he reads is a fiction book. So I said, good on you, Jack. Wait, thank you for affirming my message out there in the world. <laughs> sure. So it's important that people read and listener, pick up a copy of Bruce's book, pick up five or 10 and, and make sure that you get these books out to your friends, your family, your clients. You know what I'm going to do, Bruce, is I'm going to connect with you and Greg. We'll pick up the 20, 30 copies and we'll get you guys to sign them and we'll hand them out to our, our clients. And maybe we can organize one of these days for you to do a, a, a Zoom presentation about the book. So wherever yeah. you happen to be, these folks can, can get the message. I think it's an important message and I'd really like to see it be out there in a bigger way. And if you're listening to this show and you have a corporation or you're in charge of running uh, speakers or trainers for your organization, make sure that you connect with Bruce. All the information about how to connect with him or, or Greg Wells is going to be in the show notes. And you might be listening to this and thinking to yourself, you know what? Bruce is an amazing guy. I mean, he's successful. He, he runs a multi-multi-million dollar company. He, he's, always, he's always good even when he's not good. How can I be like him? <laughs> and so uh, here's what I have to say to you, listener. Very simple. You can be like him by choosing to be like him. And you can be like him by getting support around that. And if you want to know how you can take your expertise, your message that you want to get out into the marketplace in a bigger way, my suggestion to you, I implore you, jump on a call with myself. Go to my website, Nikki360.com, N-I-C-K-Y-360.com. Bruce, this is a really cool innovation. A guy named Ray Perez came up with it. It's called a 360 website. Everything about me is on this website. All my websites, my podcasts, all the books I've written, all my social media, all in one place. I'll, I'll send it to you. It's pretty cool. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. It's great. And and go check it out and you can jump uh, on my calendar or you can just go to eastcircleacademy.com and go to the button in the top right-hand corner and uh, it says book your success call now and that's how you can do it. So take advantage of that. Bruce, before you take off on us today, I ask our guest to share with our listener your top three expert action steps or tips that you recommend they take on to make their life and their business better. What do you say? I think that they would all fall somewhat under the same category. So, you know, the theme I, I see time and time again with people, you know, successful people too that, you know, come to me and say, Bruce, you know, I, I want to have more balance in my life. I want to, you know, I want to be more successful in my career. It's this. I think most people, Nikki, or too many people get up in the mornings. We live in this busy world. They hit the shower. And before you know it, they're at home, seven, eight o'clock at night. 
they don't know where their day went and they didn't start with any plan. So, you know, I tell people, look, be intentional about how you're living your life, you know, staying in shape, looking after your body, you and I both know how important that is. That doesn't happen by accident. So plan to live a healthier lifestyle. Things like, you know, I start my day by doing the five minute journal. It's just a, you know, it's an easy to use tool, whether it's a five minute journal, any journal, but uh, one of the things that, you know, I find super important about it is each morning I have to think of three things I'm grateful for. Doesn't sound like much, but try it tomorrow morning. Get up tomorrow morning and, and jot down what are the three things I'm grateful for. And two things. One, it challenges you to put your mindset into a space where you're actually grateful. And we all know that, you know, the importance of gratitude. I just think, you know, some of us write it off as, you know, one of those soft things. It's so important. So setting the intention, you know, at the beginning of the day for, you know, for how your day is going to set up by, by being grateful is super important. Looking after your, your mind and body and just being intentional about your life. So, what, you know, what do you want? People are wanting through their, wanting through their lives and they, they don't have a plan. They don't have a personal goal for where do they want to be, you know, in their personal life in three to five years time. I think you need to sit down, you know, whether they do it, you know, with a professional like you, Nikki, or they, you know, they go online and find a tool. It's like, get intentional about where you want you to, your life to be in three years, five years, 10 years, even when you look at your retirement, instead of, you know, getting caught up in this, this treadmill. So for me, it, it, it all revolves around intentionality. Very few things happen by accident. We have to be intentional. Those are three great expert action steps, Bruce. And, and thank you for sharing those with us. And, you know, before we close off, there's something else I want to, I want to bring up. And, and I'd like you to, I, I'd like you to give a laser comment on that. Most people who get into business as an entrepreneur do so after overcoming some pretty serious doubts. I just written a new book myself. It's called The Thought Leader's Journey. And it's a parable. It's a story of a young man who has wanted to become an entrepreneur forever, but he didn't have uh, the guts to get past his fear and, and take the step. It took him four years before he finally did it. So the majority of people that have thought about becoming an entrepreneur don't ever do anything about it. But then there's the people who actually take the step and let's say a thousand people take the initial step to become an entrepreneur. 800 of them never get past the uh, newcomer stage where they have the idea and they're trying to get it going and, and it never really gets going. And then there's 200 of them that get past the newcomer stage and they're in that unconscious expert, unconscious entrepreneur stage. They're trying things out and they're getting some results, but they're certainly not understanding why they're getting the results and it's hit and miss and, and, and they're, they're, they've got lumpy billings in their business. Some months are great, some months are terrible. And then the next step, we call them the conscious expert step. That's when they've dialed in their messaging, they've dialed in their marketing and they're reliably getting business. Um, but it, it's very much focused on them. They are the straw that stirs the drink, right? If they don't work, nothing works. It's time for money. And they're going to burn out, right? And that's, that's, that's like 50 out of those 200 go to this stage. And then 10 out of the 50 go to the, the stage that I call the thought leader stage where you've got it dialed in. People come to you. It's not time for money anymore. And you get to make the difference you were born to make. And then there's one out of those 10 that goes to what I call the celebrity or iconic stage where they're known, they're sought after, and people people seek them out, and they, they get to do the work that they were meant to do, and, and 
world leaders seek them out, country leaders seek them out, as well as, you know, some of the, the, the top business and industry leaders. So to me, most people going down this path is a hard path. One of the reasons I do what I do is because I want to give people a chance to do it better. And inside our programs, we work with small entrepreneurs, those ratios are somewhat reversed. 57% of the people that work with us get past those first two, three stages, and then the latter stages. And they, they get to actually have businesses that work for them. And I, and I was wondering if you could just briefly comment on that and, and how important it is, because I know you believe in this, to have the right mentorship, to, to be part of the right peer groups, to go to conferences, to read, and all that good stuff. Yeah, I look, I, I mean, I said it earlier that I met Greg because, you know, we both had made commitments, you know, not in conjunction with each other, but separate from each other, that we felt it was important to, you know, to our growth, to find ways to grow. And, you know, so I, I, you know, my suggestion to people is make sure that you're being intentional. I use the word intentional. But make sure you're being intentional about how you're planning for, for your growth. These things don't happen by, by accident. You know, have a plan, um, you know, do things that are, are moving the dial, uh, you know, towards, you know, towards whatever, whatever area it is that you want to, uh, to work in. And then maybe, you know, the, the kind of laser part about that is, you know, the world will find ways to knock you down. I mean, I, you know, I often say to people, like I find a thousand people to tell me, you know, why I shouldn't do something or how I can't do something. I just want, you know, I want to be around 10 people that, that are going to help me get it done or are going to, you know, sh share my vision. And that's not about being right. That's about, you know, surrounding yourself with the right people. So, uh, you know, spend more time, with people that are positive, people that, you know, are, are going to build you up less time with people that are going to you know take things away from you or be negative. I know we have to do some of that, but, uh, you know, I, I really do think it's about being intentional in the choices you make. Well said, my friend, well said. And listener, make sure that you go to Amazon and you pick up a copy of the focus effect or pick up five or 10 Give them to your friends, give them to your clients, give them to your family members. It's, it's an important book with an important message. And if, if you would like our help in helping you get to the next level, getting off the plateau that you're on, getting past any fear you have that's held you stuck, make sure that you go to Nikki360.com or to eCircleAcademy.com and click on the button in the top right-hand corner. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about today's amazing guest, the one and only Bruce Bowser, go to thethoughtleaderrevolution.com, look up in the show notes, and to jump on a call with myself, go to nikki360.com or to eastcircleacademy.com and click the button in the top right-hand corner. Until next time, goodbye.